All right, welcome everyone to the year that was dot dot dot. We are discussing 1997. I am your host, Aaron Max, along with my brother, Nate. Hello, everyone. And our resident hick, Mr. Mark Brew. Get her done. Oh, wait, that's not mine. That shouldn't be anybody's. <laughs> but anyway. Um, Here's your signs that. better. Yeah. <laughs> not by much. But, uh. Um, ah, Angville, Angville's funny. Angle, Angle's funny. Angle's funny. He, he is. And in some respects, so it's Foxworthy, but it's better when they're not doing their their gimmick. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. They're four anyway. horsemen of the hillbillies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um in case you guys don't know what we do on this show, we are going through a calendar year of uh major wrestling on television. Um, we're not getting into like any indies or anything like that. We're just talking about WCW, WWE, WWF, uh, Raw and Nitro. Um, because those are the two big shows going on at the time. Um, we are in the end of May here. So we're on May 5th, uh, or not May 5th. I'm going to do that a lot. Every time when it's May, I end up saying May 5th. Or but May 26th, 1997. It's not um, Cinco de Mayo. It's not Cinco de Mayo. Um, At least you're not saying May 19th. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, if you guys don't know what we do here, we're just going week by week. So if you're coming into it now, finding the show, it's probably best to just go at the beginning and just work your way to where we're at now. So that way you're not lost. Um, so unless you guys have anything you need to add to that or want to talk about, we'll move into show review if they start at the beginning that's gonna be like bill and ted's awesome adventure <laughs> there's a lot of good shit in there in my oh opinion. yeah so, started out rough but we're fi- i'm figuring it out um so like i said you guys got anything no no all right um like i said it's uh it's it's may 26 1997 we're gonna start with nitro because raw is one of my favorite Raw episodes, so I want to I want to be good and happy when we get to that. Um, they do mention that this is the one year anniversary of the debut of Scott Hall in WCW. That's what they're saying. Um, I didn't go back and make sure. I didn't go back and check if it was the exact date, but they're saying it's been a year since Scott Hall showed up. Um, the show opens with. Hulk Hogan coming out with Eric Bischoff. Um, if you guys didn't listen last week, um, um, Sting had dropped down or Sting had come up through the come up through the ring and attacked Eric Bischoff, and the fans went crazy. But Hogan says that Eric Bischoff is the reason Hogan is making so much money, and Sting beating on Bischoff is like beating on family. And he says that Sting is scared of the outsiders and can't hang with six. And um, calls him out, but Sting obviously doesn't show up. And then Hogan says that himself and Bischoff are going to go back in the back, obviously, and headless doink and search for uh, Sting. So they've established that Hogan's in the building tonight. Uh, if I didn't mention they're in Nashville, but they've they find Sting. I don't know what they're Instead gonna find. Of, while they're looking for Sting. Do they find Stang? <laughs> uh, I think Stang was in Florida. They might have, they might have hard work trying to find him yeah. for the Department of Corrections. <laughs> <laughs> um. So 
they've like I said, they've established that Hogan's in the building. He's calling out Sting, but obviously it's the old heel thing of they know Sting's not there. But anyway, it's like Nate said, Hogan Hogan doesn't want to be anywhere that Sting is actually at. Um so then Tony, Mike, and Larry check in on commentary. Um, and they mentioned that Nitro is back to um, their regular two-hour time slot. And they discuss Hogan and Sting a little bit more and how they don't feel that Hogan actually wants to find Sting. Yada, yada, yada. So then we move into our opening match. And it's Uventud Guerrera, Super Colo, and Hector Garza versus Ciclope, La Parca. And Danian six six six. Is it was it Hector Guerrero or Hector Garza? Hector Garza. It's on mine. It says Hector Guerrero. Well, they're wrong. <laughs> it's not Hector Guerrero. It's Hector Garza. Um, it's a it's a typical um um uh, lucha lucha libre trios match. So it, it it's. It's exciting to watch. It's the reason that Bischoff is smart, opening up a lot with these type of matches. Um, so, like I said, since it was a lucha match, there's not a lot of um, notes that you can take in one of those matches. If you guys know what I mean, like I'm not gonna write down an entire fucking. All you can say match. is it is the same as you know most lucha matches: fast paced, hard hitting, smash mouth in your face. Yes. Um, there is one amazing spot that was not intended. Super Colo goes for a suicide dive and is going so fast that he bounces off Ciclope and La Parca and basically somersaults all the way into the third row. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> like, that crowd loses their goddamn mind. And, and when I say he flew into the third row, that's not like wrestling... Over like overshooting things, you know. What I mean, like the right. stage is seventeen feet tall or whatever, or what? Like this dude literally fucking hits, rolls, and rolls over all those people into the third row. It's fucking fantastic. <laughs> um, Mike Tanay hypes that he's going to be talking about some upcoming history packages on Lucha Libre. I don't know if you guys remember those, but they actually are pretty cool. Um, and I, I, we don't need to get into Hector Garza too much because I think we talked we talked about him a lot on another show that we did because Nate's a big Nate was a big Hector Garza fan. Um, so I want to kind of shift us to another guy real quick, La Parca. You guys think La Parca would have worked in the WWF? I think La Parca would have worked in the WWF, yes, because he's a bigger luchador, like. I would say the same thing. I was going to mention it, um, not necessarily WWF, but, but him being underrated, and I don't think regarded as a. Because see, we as Americans think of luchadors different than Mexicans think of their Mexican wrestlers. You know, to them, those are their wrestlers. To us, they're the luchadors. And when we think of luchadors, we think of flip flop, high flying, Rey Mysterio type wrestlers. Both La Parca and. Damien could have worked in the WWF because Damien had a cool look. He was a good worker. Um, 
And he just, like I said, he does, I don't think in America, he doesn't get talked about as a really good luchador because he didn't wrestle like Rey Mysterio and Hooven Two. Does, does what I'm saying make sense? Yeah. But, but yeah, LaParca La, La and Damian both could have worked in the WWF. Like, too, also, like, he had that comedic aspect to to his gimmick, too, where he, yeah, he was the charismatic. Whole, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, the, <laughs> the whole dance and everything. And, like, I don't know, it would just be funny to see who Vince would pair that up with because, you know, it would be epic fucking comedy. And, and see, I agree. And, like, like you said, Nettie, he's got the size. Um, and he's got the charisma and kind of like we were talking about with uh, Muda on the weekend wrestle. Like he was a, he was a luchador that understood the American style, you know, like, mm -hmm. like these people want to see flips and everything like that. And I might, and, and not saying that he couldn't do that stuff, but like you said, he was a bigger guy. So he couldn't do everything that like Ray and movie and psychosis could do. So he realized these people like they like entertainment too, so I'm gonna add that to it. And no, w, and, and and you can see that WCW eventually starts noticing it because he gets used more and more and more. There's there's also a, a major difference between American and uh, wrestling in Mexico too, because in America they teach you to uh, feed with your left. I think it is. And then in Mexico, they do the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in order to, to be an American wrestler and go down there and work, you have to be ambidextrous pretty much with your body. Um, silly story that has nothing to do with this. Um, remember when Owen was doing the cast, like his arm was fucked up or whatever? Right. Um, he worked actually a couple house shows with The Rock, like when Rocky was first starting. And basically made Rocky think that his wrist was actually fucked up <laughs> and made Rock, who had had maybe probably 20 matches under his belt. He's like, I, I can't I can't work that arm. It's, it's really messed up. So we got to do the other. You got to work the other side, buddy. I gotta do that. Like he said, Rock, Rock said he was fucking tripping over his goddamn. <laughs> no fucking idea what was going on. And, and, but Owen was so good that nobody in the building other than. The two guys in the ring and the guys in the back knew what was going on. You know, right? right. But um, this match goes on. Um, what this match is basically is they're 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 putting over everybody, but it's mainly them trying to get Hector over and and Tony or uh, Mike talking about how Hector is this and Hector's that because Hector's just coming in. Um, and I think they wanted to do more with him because. Good looking guy, didn't wear a mask, so I think they thought, Oh, if we can do anything with it, like, like we can market him more or whatever. Um, he ends up hitting his they're hyping that corkscrew dive that he does, so he hits that, and then um, they all get back into the ring. Garza ends up hitting a power bomb on Damien, one, two, three. Winners of the match Hector Garza, Super Colo, and Uventu Guerrero. So Pretty decent match. Um, so unless you guys got anything else on that, we'll move on. Interested tidbit right here that uh, that I'm looking at. It says the dark match for this was Chris Benoit, and he defeated Joey Mags. It's 
Chris Benoit versus a fire hydrant. All right. <laughs> um, so the next match is Psychosis versus Alex Wright. Um, they're talking more about Alex Wright basically breaking bad and how he's being more of a heel. Um, it's just a basic television match. Psychosis ends up winning with a top rope leg drop. Wham, bam, thank you, man. That's it. Uh, mean Gene then interviews Sonny Ono about Chono's Nightmare. That's what they're calling it now. It's Chono's Nightmare, which um, if you guys don't know, um, Chono joined the NWO, turned on Sonny Ono, and then Ono said that he's found uh, Chono's mystery opponent, and the match is going to be next week. They've been building this up for two or three weeks now, and they've just now started calling it Chono's Nightmare, which sounds totally like something they would call something from Japan. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking this is a Japan angle that they're asking them to do on TV. <laughs> is it rated TVMA? <laughs> I don't know. So, um, but as Sonny Ono is interviewing, or as Gene is interviewing Sonny Ono, Psychosis is walking out, like out of the arena, and and um, Ono um, propositions Psychosis about talking to him about maybe him becoming his manager and psychosis basically says, yeah, we'll talk later. Um, and then Medusa comes out of nowhere and challenges, um, demands a woman's title shot against, uh, oh fuck, who is it? Kira Hokuto, I think. Hokuto, what? <laughs> I think it's a Kira Hokuto. This WCW women's title is fucking pointless. But anyway, he, she challenges him or once a title shot. And he says, the only way he'll do that is, um, if she'll put her career on the line, which she ends up accepting. So they did a lot of shit with Sonny Ono in this little quick segment. So it was what it was. Um, then the announced team, uh, discusses Ernest Miller and shows his Kung Fu shit. Um, is what it is at this point. Ernest Miller, is just boring. Like I don't, I, I don't want to. How do I say it? I don't like when they bring like karate into wrestling. To me, it doesn't work. Judo kind of does because there's throws and stuff in that, but like just straight up karate, yeah, whatever. Doesn't really do it for me. Um, I don't know if it's karate or kung fu. I don't know what the fuck Ernest Miller's doing, but. He just, needs to start, he just needs to start dancing. Um, and then Wrath with James Vandenberg and Mortis um, defeats Mark Starr with a death penalty. There's nothing to even say about this. It's just a quick thing. Um, I bet Chad Austin would have something to say about it yeah. with Mark Starr being involved. Yeah. And then we get the hype for, we're finally going to get it, the rematch between Savage and Page, Great American Bash, Savage Page 2. What they're hyping. Um, there's a lot of lucha on this match, by the way. Um, and I misspoke. The nightmare match is tonight. I misspoke. I said that was next week. I'm sorry. Um, then Viano 5 is going to face Conan. Hugh Morris comes out and cuts a promo on Conan, obviously because they broke up. Um, Hugh Morris attempts to get involved, but WC WCW security stops him. And then Conan gets the tequila sunrise on Viano. Five and he taps out. And then Conan is interviewed by Mean Gene Okerlund. Uh, he mentions that Kevin Sullivan 
is on vacation. And then he says the reason that Sullivan's on vacation is because he can't handle Benoit um, and calls him a little bitch. That's what he says about Kevin Sullivan. Basically, he's left the Dungeon of Doom because he has no more um, faith in Kevin Sullivan and, and this, that, and the other thing. And then... Um, by this point, by this point, because I can't remember, by this point, has he has he kicked the super stereotypical accent? Because remember, he was doing this one for he's so still, long. He's still kind of in it, but he's starting to slowly kind of morph into just being Charles, you know what I mean? Yeah. But he's still he's still hyping the gimmick, but hey, look here, puto. Let me yeah. tell you something. Yeah. yeah he's getting away from that. Baby uh, Joker, get the chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh he calls Hugh Morris Pillsbury, Pillsbury fat boy and then he dances away. <laughs> so he wasn't wrong there though. No. Um so, unless you got anything else on that, I don't. But I did have something on going back to psychosis, and it's not. It, ha- it doesn't have to do with a show, but it's just an observation. Okay. Psychosis is a guy, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, he's a guy. <laughs> Maybe. It's twenty twenty. It's twenty twenty two. He can be whatever he wants to be. But no. Um, okay, so you know the unmasking. All right. A lot of times a guy unmasks and it's like, okay, that's what he looks like. Psychosis is a guy that unmasks. And I was like, that guy looks nothing like I thought he would look like. Like his face looked like, does does that make sense? Like, I don't know. I just like, it's like, I did not expect his nose to be that big or his forehead to be that wide or. (laughs) Or them to put him on a lawnmower. Yeah. I don't know. Psychosis was a mongoloid. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he just—he looked nothing like when Ray Ray had to unmask. I was like, all right, you know that you can kind of see it. You know, it, it, he looks the way I thought he would look—a baby, you know, a little baby yeah, face I'll, on him. And, I was like, is he fourteen? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, psychosis. I was like, yep. Had no idea he'd look like that. <laughs> right. That's like uh. I was in somebody's auction the other night and they had a, a one of the Mexico psychosis figures and they're like, I can't figure out who this is. And I'm like, that's psychosis, bro. And they're like, there's no way that's psychosis. I'm like, trust me. I know figures that is psychosis. There's like, bro, that looks nothing like psychosis. And I was like, well, you got to slap the mask on them. Wait, do you mean, go ahead, Aaron. Oh, I was just going to say like, I had the, um, when his hair, like he didn't realize that his hair was part of his mask. Like I thought that guy had big bushy hair, and he and he, and he didn't. Right. It's in a visual show, but we're gonna see what this is. Was it this one, Mark? No, it was the one with him and the uh the jumper. Oh, okay. The Jack that figure. That figure looked like Hispanic Glenn Gilberti. <laughs> <laughs> El Disco Inferno. Yeah. <laughs> El Disco Fuego. <laughs> <laughs> well, and let, okay, so the next match is Chono's Nightmare. All right. So Chono comes out. He comes out to his fun, the funky NWO music, not the porno mu- NWO music, the funky one. Um, yeah, that one. Um, 
And then uh, Chono's nightmare is the great Muda. All right. So fucking awesome. Muda shows up. Um, there's Stalin and him and Holland in the ring. Um, uh, slips a, uh, a weak looking headlock on Chono. Um, Chono calls him on it. And then, or uh, Ono calls Muda on it. Like he's like, attack, get him, get him. And then Muda ends up misting Ono instead. And the great Muda joins the NWO. <laughs> so this in Japan was was a huge deal. Um, the fans here enjoyed it. This is great Muda. Anything Muda does, they're going to pop for. Um, so that's the story of this match. Is Now the great Muda has, has joined and... NWO Japan just got a just got at that time the biggest star in that country. I got a question. All Do you right. think like when when they were like the Japanese promoters got together and were like, we need our version of the NWO, something that that the Japanese people can get behind, and that was the inspiration for Bullet Club? Oh no, no fucking oh, Bullet, no. Bullet Club stole <laughs> everything from the NWO. They, that's the thing about Bullet Club and the, the fucking elite or whatever. Like, nothing they did was, like, original. Right. It was all just stolen shit from everybody else. And and that's why I'm just like, eh, whatever. Like, the sweet and the super cake also- and this, that. And it's like, nothing you guys are doing is cool. Or what, what you're doing was cool when other people that were cooler than you were doing it. Also, I've always wondered how the Japanese people, like, in the in the pantheon of Japanese wrestling, I bet NWO Japan doesn't hold near the reverence of the NWO in the States does. Right. Because faction wrestling like that in Japan had it was a thing, you know, like through the 80s and everything, you know. So, I mean, it was new to us here, but I'm sure in the in the in the in Japan, like the NWO when Japanese people talk about wrestling is just another faction, you know. Yeah, they probably right. talk. They probably talk more about that now versus old gimmick, or you know what I'm talking about. Yes, they probably yes. talk more about that than they do the NWO thing. That was just New Japan understanding that people are going to want the. It, it would. I know that later on Vince like makes the joke about popular clothing line or whatever. That was them knowing that people were gonna want these American shirts and shit like that. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. all. It's, what's um, funny? What's funny about what, what's funny about Vince calling it the popular clothing line NWO? Was he's the originator of that? Making a wrestler a popular clothing line. Yeah, you know, they were just doing what he did. <laughs> you know, finally, WCW finally finds fucking something they can market that doesn't look like shit. <laughs> you know, because I mean, all the God bless them. Sting had merch and stuff back in the early '90s and all that, but it all looked like garbage. You know, their 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 merchandising was just bad. So they finally find something that's out merching Vince, and he's like, oh. Popular clothing line, the NWO. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. So, like I said, uh, Chono's now turned his back on New Japan Pro Wrestling and has joined the NWO. And then Larry Zabisco says, um, it's like I've told everybody, 
the Japanese have seven hearts. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but he just says the Japanese have seven hearts. So, okay. Um, then the Barbarian defeats Jimmy Powers. As he uh, should. As he should. <laughs> with a big boot. And then Kevin Sullivan, or not Kevin Sullivan, sorry. Uh, Chris Benoit comes out and confronts Jimmy Hart about... Um, Kevin Sullivan claiming to go on vacation, but he's actually running and asks how he can get Sullivan. And Hart says that um, basically that if he wants Kevin Sullivan, then um, Benoit has to go through um, um, Barbarian. So they're gonna they're setting up a match between Barbarian and Chris Benoit. And who wouldn't and who wouldn't want to see that? Would not want to see that. That's what I'm. That, yeah, like that would that's gonna be fantastic. I think it's gonna be a Great American Bash if I remember right. I don't think it's a Nitro. I think it's a pay per view match. Because um, I started kind of watching ahead, but I'm like, eh, I don't want to get too far ahead. Um, then the Giant <laughs> comes out and he defeats Johnny Swinger. Rick Fuller and Jerry Flynn. Uh, he choke slams everybody. And then um, post match, Mean Gene interview, Mean Gene interview, Mean Gene interviews um, Lex Luger and the Giant about um, apparently having an upcoming match against um, Dennis Rodman and Hulk Hogan, which they have not talked about at all on any of these shows. Like this is just the way they announce like, Oh, this match is coming up with you and you guys versus Robin and Hogan. It's like, really? Like when did that? I don't remember. Oh, that. Nonchalant. <laughs> I was just nonchalantly announcing it in this fucking interview. It's just seemed weird. Um, Going yeah, back. considering this is the company that said what, um, what match Chronic versus the Harris Brothers was the biggest, the biggest match in the hit or whatever. Uh, you know no, what I'm saying? It was like, when, it was when Shivani was, it was when Shivani was bored and didn't want to be there and was just mocking the company without people knowing he was mocking the company. <sighs> But going back to something that you said earlier, but, 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 you... but uh, well, I was just gonna let Nate know what he said because I'll never forget it. <laughs> he said, "It's the match that everyone has been anticipating: <laughs> Chronic versus the Harris Brothers." <laughs> People don't realize that in late '99, 2000, Shivani was just making his money and. Shit, not like he knew what he was watching sucked. You know what it's I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, it's like listening to Jim. It's like, been, it's like, the, it's like listening to Jim Ross call AEW now. He'd been in the business since 1983. His first fucking day in the business was interviewing Ric Flair at fucking Starcade. You know what I mean? People <laughs> can say what they want to say about Shivani, but he knows fucking wrestling. He's been, he worked with everybody and got taught by, he got taught all the way from fucking Gordon Soley. To Gorilla Monsoon, you know what I mean. So he he know, and, and he's been in backstage in all these fucking places and all this shit. So he knew what he was watching was fucking garbage, and he overhyped it because he was entertaining himself. But uh, I, don't, I don't think he was being a bad care a bad commentator. 
I just think he was trying to keep himself fucking entertained. Go, going back to one of the combatants in, in this uh, three-on-one handicap match, though, and and calling back to something that you said earlier, you were when they were talking about Ernest Miller, you were like, you hate it when they do karate and wrestling. I will take Ernest the Cat Miller over Jerry Flynn any day. Oh, I will too, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not knocking Ernest Miller. I think Ernest Miller is entertaining as fuck. And oh yeah, I think he should have had a. Um, longer career for Vince and and I not even as a as a as a worker. You know what I mean? I, I he would have been better as um like a general manager or a commentator or something like that, you know? But I just I don't know if he just didn't whoever was in charge just didn't like him or what. But I don't think he got a fair shake when he wound up in WWE. From what I always heard, from what I always heard, Stephanie liked him and nobody else did. Well, I don't get it. May, I mean, maybe he was a dick. I don't know. I don't know. To me, it was kind of like his WWE run. He was he was more r truth than before r truth was r truth. Yeah, yeah. Um, I no, do love no. it. I do. I forget who the who the little dude was that was with Ernest Miller, and I know we're getting in the weeds here. It was Lamont. 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 I love. I love it when Lamont's when Lamont's wig gets eliminated at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, like he get his his elim- um he gets eliminated and Taz is like his fro got eliminated too or whatever. <laughs> Though we're gonna book that versus Billy Jack Haynes this week. <laughs> I think it was Benoit that eliminated him or whatever. But anyway. Um, then we get a road report from Lee Marshall, which I I usually like. I said last couple of weeks they've been kind of kind of duds, so I don't really want to play this because also because I do have um, amazing audio for Monday Night Raw, an amazing audio segment from there. Um, then Six Pot comes out and he cuts a promo on Ric Flair. Um, he calls Ric Flair a fluff boy, which. I don't know if people and a lot of people in 97 even knew what a fluff boy was, but I'm like, oh, that's a little rough. Um, they replay last week's attack, and then Six introduces the outsiders. Um, Scott Hall comes out. He calls Ric Flair a dirt bag and a drag queen. And then uh, Kevin Nash says that um, there's no way he put him to sleep at. Um, um, Slamboree because the only thing that Piper does that makes him and Hogan go to sleep is making his movies. Yeah, that Mackenzie's Island made me want to go to sleep. And then they leave. Like they just completely shit on these guys and they just bounce. <laughs> all right. Like, all right, we come, roasted you, and now we're out, fuckers. <laughs> See you later. Um so anything on that, guys? Um in my opinion, it's the old adage of if you shit on your opponent too much, who do you actually beat? You know what I mean? If you're out there calling Ric Flair old and a dirt bag and this, that, and the other thing. Then you're just then, a guy then, that beat the old dirt bag. Yeah, then you're just a guy that beat the old dirt bag <laughs> and the other guy with one hip. You know what I mean? Right. Like it doesn't it doesn't work. You know, you know who personifies the expression old dirtbag? 
<laughs> Mr. Wrestling 2 in 1984. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, but, and that was when he was feuding with, that's when he started feuding with Magnum, right? Yep. But did Magnum go out there and be like, Mr. Wrestling 2, you're an old dirtbag? No, no, I just view Mr. Wrestling 2 as an old dirtbag. But, but, but don't, even if your fans perceive it that way, don't emphasize it. Right, right. Because it's, then who have you beat? Just like when you go out and call somebody some you scrawny little fucker or whatever, it's like, okay, well, you you just beat up the scrawny little fucker. It doesn't, it, it, it's, it, I, I don't. You're picking on I, the pencil neck geek. <laughs> yeah, like, like this was them um, letting their personal feelings or whatever get in, get in the way of actually doing business. Because on the flip side, what does Flair always said about Nash and Hall? Like in their entire feud, what does he said? He says, I don't know if I can beat you guys, but I'm going to try. You know what I mean? Like, he's giving them the benefit of the doubt. Flair's not going out there and being like, you're just a seven foot basketball player that has no talent. Or looking at Scott Hall and being like, you're just a drunk who just (laughs) coasts by. Like, that's all shit he could say if he wanted to. And it's not all true. But, um, I just. That Oz fucker. (laughs) Yeah, you Oz. Like, I'm afraid of you. You were the worst drawing champion in the history of the WWF. <laughs> you know, like he's not doing that, even though he could, because Ric Flair is a fucking businessman and um, knows how to do his work. Like, there's so much shit that Flair could have done to people or said about people, and he never did it because when the whole time he was working in WCW, he just did his fucking job. Well, it's know? called having class, baby. Yeah, like when Shane shows up and they wanted to have that feud with him in 2000 or whatever. He didn't knock Shane. He didn't want to work with him. After it was over, he was like, hey, you fucking working at Target? Like, how did you ever draw? You know what I mean? But anyway, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to get too into the weeds with that. But I just, I watched this promo thinking as a kid, I was probably like, ha ha, that's funny. But looking at it now, in hindsight, I'm like, counterproductive. And probably would have never happened if they would have been worth if this feud would have been in the WWF, that would have never happened ever. Um, so the last match on the show is Mongo McMichael and Jeff Jarrett versus the Harlem Heat. Um, nothing really happens in the match except that Kevin Green is on headset and he distracts Mongo. From there, and um, Mongo ends up um, leaving the match to go um, basically get in a tussle with Kevin Green, and Harlem Heat ends up um, pinning Jeff Jarrett one, two, three, and that's how that match ends. Uh, the least we can talk about Mongo, like a Mongo and Jarrett match, the better. <laughs> Just saying. Well, I mean. Jarrett wasn't as horrible as Mongo, but and I've always I've said it I've said it forever and I'll, I'll continue to say it till the day I die. Mongo just never should have gotten in the ring because he was an entertaining, charismatic dude. To be 
to be like a bodyguard or a hype man or when they had like a lot of people shit on him when he was in the booth. I enjoyed him as a commentator. And yeah. That's why if you if you notice what I said was the, the 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 least you can say about a Mongo Jeff Jarrett match, the better. Yeah. Because Mongo is terrible in the ring. And this WCW ninety seven Jeff Jarrett just go away. <laughs> Like, Jeff Jeff Jarrett, Jarrett, unless he is, unless he's in the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis, Tennessee, he is not a fucking baby face. No, and also, I will say this, and I know, I know some people might disagree because there are a lot of people that, that, that enjoyed him in TNA, and I'm not saying he was terrible in TNA, but for me personally, Jarrett peaked in 1995, I just after after the double J gimmick, I'm not a huge Jarrett fan. I'm not gonna shit on him, but I like him and Owen. I kind of like the whole uh, guitar with the silver trunks and the slap nuts thing. That one, that one was, uh, you know, it was, was. It had its funny moments, yeah. Right. And again, I'm not shitting on him. I'm not saying he was he was awful or anything. But just for me personally, that 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 double J gimmick is where he peaked for me. But anyway, yeah, I liked him and Owen. I thought they were a good. I thought they were a really good team. Um, Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff—they're back, um, saying they couldn't find Sting, and that Sting—they um, couldn't find him. And then they call out Sting, and then once again, another blatant fake Sting comes out. Last week he had a Mo Howard haircut. This week it's like. It's long, but it's like parted in the middle. It's like longer than what his hair usually is. And, and he comes out and um, they try to like, they try to, they, they try to berate fake Sting, but real Sting, he's not even going to let this charade go on too long. And he, he drops from the rafters and um, Hogan and Bischoff, run away and then sting beats up discount sting and then the nwl come out it's dollar tree sting yeah dollar tree sting like yeah they beat him up um or sting beats up dollar general sting and then the nwl come out and sting won't back down they all kind of surround him and the visual is amazing because I don't know why it made me laugh so much, but it did because they surround him and then he tugs on a little cord and he just shoots back up to this rafter <laughs> and the NWO is just like, what the fuck? <laughs> what do we do now? Yeah. Like he didn't run away. He didn't swing his bat at him. He was just like, yeah, there's 10 of them. One of me fly away. <laughs> And I don't know why it made me laugh so much, but, but he just recoils back into the ceiling. I'm like, that's fucking great. You know how you were like, uh, once again, another blatantly fake sting. Yes. I wonder if like WWE was like, I think we can do this better. And that's when they started doing the parody of the, uh, of the midgets of people. <laughs> Mini Vader. Mini yeah. Mankind. <laughs> that like, I mean, that stuff was epic. I liked Mini Gold Dust. Mini Gold Mini Dust. Gold Dust. 
I always like the story too that Vader hated Mini Vader, like not the guy, but just the fact that there was a Mini Vader and it bugged the shit out of him. <laughs> he did that Vader bomb better than me. <laughs> Calm down, <Go> Leon. <laughs> All right, so it was a decent Nitro. Not a lot happened, but was what it was. Now we're gonna move into um, uh, the the May twenty sixth, nineteen ninety seven. Uh, WC or WWF Raw. It's in Evansville, Indiana, and um, when we talk about not a lot happening on Nitro, this is low key one of my favorite um, episodes of Raw of all time. Like I was super stoked when I was like, "All right, this is coming up." Um, a lot is happening on this show. Um, the show opens with the um, obvious crazy Monday Night Raw opening with the thorn in your eye, pyro, this, that, and the other thing. Jim Ross and Vince McMahon run down the card. Um, in case you guys don't know, the main event of this show is Stone Cold Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels um, not wanting to team together, but having to team together to face Owen and Bulldog for the WWF Tag Team Championships. Um Jim Ross then interviews Shawn Michaels and Austin about being reluctant tag team partners and they don't want to tag or like each other, but will to kick the heart foundation's ass. And then um, the LOD come out and they confront um, Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin and basically say that if they get past the heart foundation tonight, they will have a shot. And it's stare down between HBK and Shawn Michaels and the LOD, um, which is insane. It's, it's, it's good shit. Um, like, 97 WWF, man. It's like fucking primo. But um, it, it, it's, it's setting up what's going to happen in the future. So there's not a lot to say about it, but... Basically, LOD is challenging them if they win and they accept. Um, then the Heart Foundation. Um, um, sorry, where am I at? The Heart Foundation come out and they're um, basically uh, they're they're going to be facing the LOD next. It's going to be Jim uh, the Weird Team. I don't remember this team very much, but it's the the Weird Team of Jim Neidhart and Brian Pillman. Versus the Legion of Doom. Um, the reason they have all the hearts come out is because they want to show you that Brett's up and walking again. So Brett's not in his wheelchair. Um, Jim Ross mentions that um, LOD is the only team to ever hold WWF, NWA, and AWA uh, tag team championships. I put this in the notes because. Um, they're starting to acknowledge other shit and it's not something that Vince typically did. And I, I've noticed it in JR's commentary. They're letting him expel more on what some of these talents have done in other promotions more than I've ever heard anybody do it. Well, shit, he was around in the mother promotions too, wasn't he? Yeah. But what I'm saying is like Vince never used to want to acknowledge that, shit happened outside of the WWE or the WWF. Right. Like, ever. 
And, and I think I think this is this is ma- that's mainly a <clears throat> a what it's evidence that at this time Vince the some people that are in Vince's ear are Jim Ross and Jim Cornette. Yeah. You know. And and their fan base isn't just regular but like like basically the people that are watching wrestling right now are people that know that Farouk is Ron Simmons. Right. So just, just, yeah, you're going to call him Farouk, but acknowledge that he's Ron Simmons. Acknowledge that the LOD has done shit outside of the WWF. The know it, and you're insulting their intelligence, you know? Right. Well, uh, I mean, too, if you're going to have somebody do them callbacks, it would make sense for it to be Jim Ross since he was a part of them organizations also. Yeah. And, and, and he's, Got the more right. I mean, it would, it, would, it would be more realistic with him having that knowledge. Yeah. Um. Th- this is a question that Nate likes to ask a lot, so I'm gonna put it out there too. Um, Jim Neidhart, overrated, underrated, properly rated. I'd I'd say underrated. Like, for the plain simple fact. He was consistently good. And like he doesn't he doesn't really get a lot of credit for being as good as he was, but like he, I'm I'm not saying he was like that's my favorite wrestler of all time good. He was just like that's a solid worker. I'll say a little underrated. Um almost pro- almost properly rated, but a little underrated just because and it, it's almost because he 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 teamed with Brett fucking Hart. So it, it what as good as he was kind of gets overshadowed by the fact that he teamed with one of the greatest pro wrestlers to ever fucking lace boots, you know. Yeah. But you look at the Hart Foundation and it was equal parts. They right. both played their role. They both did every, you know, they 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 played their roles perfectly. That's why they're my favorite tag team of all time. I yeah. love the Bulldogs. I love Demolition, but the Hart Foundation to me is the best tag team ever. But that's what I'm saying. I think I think he's a little underrated just because, no fault of his own, he just happened to be paired up with fucking one of the top five wrestlers to ever lace yeah, the and, and and I say it. I, I shouldn't say I say, it, but like. Brett has gone on record as saying that if he wouldn't have got put with Jim, he probably wouldn't have had a career in the WWF because Cow- he was Cowboy Bret Hart. And he was like, <laughs> he was going to be Cowboy Bret Hart, and Jim Neidhart was laughing at it. And then also, like, you know, once he got into that team, Brett said, I had no um, confidence. And my like promo abilities and this, that, and that. Like, that's the reason he said he started wearing sunglasses because he didn't want people to see the fact that he was just fucking terrified to be on camera. You know, like, yeah, hey, headlights. <laughs> and so it was like, I'm going to lean on Jim's charisma and Jim can lean on my wrestling ability. And yeah. So I, I think he's, I think he's underrated in. The fact that I don't think he gets talked about enough about his promos and shit like that. Um, but this match, um, um, LOD ends up going for the Doomsday device, which brings out Owen and Bulldog, who are watching from the stage. 
and then Austin and Michaels come out. So the match gets thrown out. It's a no contest. Um, Austin is brawling with Nightheart on the floor, and Shawn Michaels tries to go for a baseball slide on Austin, but Nightheart pulls, or sorry, HBK is going for a baseball slide on Nightheart. Nightheart pulls Austin into it, and Austin gets kicked and thinks Sean did it on purpose, and then they end up brawling. So it's just a big clusterfuck of a situation, but it's also putting more emphasis on Shawn Michaels and HBK not being able to get along. So then I have two. He's arguing with himself. Huh? You said Shawn Michaels and HBK not being able to get along. Oh, well, hey, you know what? That actually makes sense. It's true. It's, it's damn true. But Austin. I mean, I knew it was factual, but I, I was like, this, this wasn't the case of what he was referring to. Yeah. So, like I said, I got two pieces of audio. From depends this on the, night, so. depends on the amount of somas consumed that night, I guess. <laughs> so the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna listen to um, the Super Soaker commercial from this week. You guys, ready? Sunny's search and soak mission. You guys can hear it. <laughs> you guys hear it. I think I recognize this video. <laughs> Someone said you wanted to see me. See you? No. But I did want to ask you if you thought the wethead was still alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Good. Because the Is this rest only of fans? Soaker CPS 2000 and the XP85 triple shot allow you to deliver the fun. Wetter is better. Super Soaker. Wetter is better. So Sunny washed the honky tonk man down the hallway? Yeah, she squirted on him and he blew down the hallway. Ooh. And, and Jim Ross. That ain't the fr- he ain't the first. <laughs> And Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler are going over their script. I just like it when Lawler's like, hey, Jerry, was that Honky Tonk Man, Honky Tonk Man being washed down the hallway? Well, yeah, I believe it was. And they just go back to reading their papers. <laughs> I just think the Super Soaker adventure, there's a couple more that are coming up that are going to be fun. Um, I know, Cor- I know, I know Cornette's been one of them. Yeah, he's in a couple. And it, 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 there's going to be like a like four guys teaming up on her a little bit. <laughs> like one of the, you know how WWE throughout the years, they've always jumped on with brands and stuff like that. Uh, one of my favorite ones is Kane's uh, Chef Boyard D commercial. <laughs> thing and the ravioli blows out of it. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous. With all the sexual innuendo and stuff in the Super Soaker commercials, they should have just paid Chris Candido to sit in the corner and masturbate. <laughs> he would have done it for free. <laughs> Sorry, I love Chris Candido, but pay me, I'd do this already. Yeah. I love Chris Candido too, but he was he was like the most cucked man in wrestling history. <laughs> Him and DDP. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Watch out, Bill Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> um the next thing is Paul Ver- Paul Bearer, Paul Bearer, 
is interviewed and says that his secret is um, in a safe de- uh, safety deposit box, and if anything happens to him, the truth will be told unless Taker joins him. So he's saying, even if Taker kills me, I have put the Undertaker's secret in a safety deposit box, and it will be unveiled. Um, so we're getting towards... Uh, everybody probably knows what the secret is, but we're getting towards it. Um, they had a, they had an amazing amount of patience with this. Um, and, and if you listen to slice of time, I've talked about it because it's, it's kind of, obviously I'm into September 97 on that show. Cause it's, it's week to week, but they were their original plan. And, and the creative obviously wasn't spilled the beans and the dirt sheets, but their original plan was for the Kane thing to culminate at SummerSlam or before, but they had the patience to hold off until until uh, yeah. um, until the Hell in a Cell pay per view. They did a nice slow burn with that one. Oh, absolutely, oh, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. Um, the next match is um, Bob Holly. Going one on one with D'Lo Brown, and I'm sure it's not his actual in ring debut. But as far as I know, this is his television in ring debut. I don't. I mean, there might have been a shotgun Saturday night or something that he worked on, but I know he was probably working house shows and shit. You know what I mean? Like they probably had this match on several house shows, but this is D'Lo's big television debut. This is his. This is this is his. To my knowledge, and again, it's because of slice of time. Because I actually am going through the house shows and stuff too. To my knowledge, this is his first. Even if he had matches on house shows, they were tag matches. This is his first singles match on a prominent card in the WWF. What a better guy to be with, other but but Bob, like probably Al would probably been the other guy. So. Um, it's D'Lo versus Bob. Um, Farouk is on headset. Um, he's doing more of the race baiting angle, saying he'll be the first black world champion. Um, Vince McMahon says some audio on here that now sounds terrible. And I don't think he was trying to be terrible, but it's just a phrase that is very, um, Night, I don't know how old Vince would have been. Would have Vince would have been born what? Born Vince born in the fifties, BC. <laughs> I think late forties. Okay, late forties. So this is a very much a man that would have been probably forty something in the in ninety seven saying this. This is what Vince says. Nate, are you looking up when he was born? I am. Um, and like I said, I don't think Vince was trying to be insensitive when he said this, but he said it and he asks Farouk, um, I have to ask you honestly, Farouk, are you patronizing the blacks? The blacks. He says the blacks. Vince McMahon was born in 1945. So, so in 1997, he is what? 53. Yeah. So, like I said, I don't think Vince is a racist guy. You know what I mean? But 
he didn't say African Americans or the African American community. He just said, "Are you patronizing the blacks?" Well, and and you're you're a product of your time. Yeah, you know, I mean, a, a lot of times, and I, we will not get in the weeds on this. This would be a topic for like a non wrestling podcast, which I have a couple of those. For but, Nate talks to people on a podcast. Yes, um, you didn't start it, that yet, did you? What? You didn't start that yet, did you? It's about to start. Say, so I'm supposed to be the first guest. You're not the first guest. Mm. But anyway, ask, though. <laughs> um, you're, you're a product of your time. That's why I, I hate like when. Okay, I'll use this as an example. The the one of the writers and producers and creators of the show Friends recently did an interview, and she said. I regret that we didn't have more diversity on friends. That's that's fucking stupid. First of all, don't apologize for something t- that you did 20 years ago. Secondly, friends was supposed to be about a bunch of fucking honkies. That's what it was supposed to be about. And uh, you know what I'm saying though, like you can't you're a product of your time. And, and you, you shouldn't apologize. And, and I'm not saying we shouldn't say slavery was bad or Jim Crow was bad. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that you can't fault someone for living in a time that they lived in. Yeah. Like, um, and I know you said you didn't want to get too in the weeds on it. Um, and, and, and I'm very much, I'm a very much a liberal person or whatever. Um, I don't hear um, the people that made Martin being like, we should have had a more diverse crowd. I, I actually literally said to somebody today when I was talking about the Friends thing, I was like, I've never seen the producers of 227 saying, sorry, we should have had more white people on 227. Or Soul Train. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there were some white people get down on Soul Train. But, but I just, you know what I'm saying though. Like, I, know, I just the, used Martin as an example because that was kind of a show that was on during the same time, you know, that Friends was there or whatever. But, um, anyway. you know, one show that didn't really do that though, and, and I, and this is where I give him, uh, them props Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah. If you, if you think back to it, there were there was diversity on that show. There was, there was, and like, um, I don't know. You go back you guys for a minute. I gotta grab my charger. Go back to uh, go back to the Jeffersons. All right, the white the white people and the Jeffersons were depicted as fucking idiots. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm not offended by that. That's funny. It's fucking funny. Just let it be funny. I I hate. That's why I hate modern comedy. Like modern, com- they haven't made a good comedy movie since fucking Forty Year Old Virgin. Because <laughs> they you they've taken every bit of what humor is out of comedy. Humor is supposed to touch a nerve. It's supposed to be raw. Right. You know. It's, it's supposed to. It's, it's, suppo- it's supposed it. to address and mock things. That are, you know, again, like I always say, I say it so many times, I'm sure people are sick of me saying it. 
Blazing Saddles is the funniest movie ever made. But my son, who's 20, would probably watch that movie and say, that movie's racist. And I will, I will contest to him every day, no, that movie's making fun of racists. Yeah. It's using humor to address a topic. Who's the, most, who's the most ignorant person on All in the Family? Archie. And by Archie the Mitchell. Of, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. By, by the end of the show, typically, who's the guy that realizes he's the most ignorant person in the room? Archie Bunker. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Nate Maxson will not apologize for his Chad Austin moment there. <laughs> <laughs> Songs that made the hit. Parade. Go ahead. Um, Vince McMahon tries to interview the Undertaker, but his audio is fucked up. Undertaker has been plagued <laughs> the last couple weeks when he's doing something backstage. That his it, audio is fucked it's up. Beca- it's because it's because it it's because it's because it's the f- it's the first time that they have tried to use the 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 clip on mic. Well, you would think this is the most important guy on our fucking show. His audio is going to be perfect. But anyway. Yeah, Bucky, <coughs> Bucky Beaver failed on that one. Yeah. Um, Taker's visibly pissed off. And then he just quickly um, um, goes into saying that he's not worried about Farouk. Um, and he's more worried about his decision later tonight. Like, like this is the first week where he's not downplayed or tried to avoid talking about the Paul Bearer situation. Um, so the next thing we're going to play is um, one of the most memorable things in the history of Monday Night Raw, in my opinion. And Nate, I know you don't watch the show before we talk about it. And Mark, I, I, I've I've seen these shows so many times. I know, I, I, I know. And Mark, I, I, you didn't get a chance to watch tonight, right? No, because uh, I'll, I'll be hitting overtime when I go in tomorrow. So um, Jerry Lawler is getting ready to go into his um, um, King of the Ring tournament match with Goldust. And he is in Evansville, so I want to stress this. Jerry Lawler is the man in Evansville. USWA, Mid-South, or, 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 or CWA, um, Evansville territory. So Lawler is just as over in Evansville as he is in Memphis. So they're trying to make him a heel, but he's not going to be a heel in this situation with these people. But <clears throat> they're going to do a interview with Jerry Lawler before this match, and I decided to play the YouTube version of it because the WWF version is edited and I don't want it to be edited. So, um, are you guys ready? Get it here raw. Yeah, you guys ready? Well, how are you going to fare against the, uh, the bizarre nature of Goldust? Well, you know, it seems our sissy friend is having a little identity crisis. First he was Dustin Reynolds, then he was Goldust, and now he wants to be the king of the ring. Well, we all saw you out here with tears running down your face, wondering why your old man, old Dust, don't love you anymore. Well, I know Dusty Rhodes, and he told me why. It's because you married the biggest gold digger in Georgia, then you put on a woman's wig, and you went around the ring kissing men like a flaming fag. 
one of the greatest promos in the history of Raw. <laughs> and I remember it to this fucking day. I can quote that fucking promo verbatim. And I remember being like, I remember being a kid going, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's just like, if you would do that now, your entire fucking show would just be fucking canceled. <laughs> you know what I mean? They'd be like, well, you can't come back. Like, none of you. Well, I mean, it's like when The Rock finds his uh, his little I guess you call it a niche with uh, with his promos and stuff, and then he does that one where he's making fun of the big show, and then he calls Kane the big red retard and stuff like that. Like, that that's another epic freaking raw promo like that that rates up there high on the scale for me because yeah. it was hilarious and and then that's the also the one where he he does the uh impersonation of rikishi i did it for the rock <laughs> for the people but yeah it's just like i wanted to play that lawler promo just to emphasize the vast difference in wrestling and society now from what it was in just 97. And honestly, it's not that long ago. No, it's just people Anything. get more, more and more sand in their badge and get irritated. Yep. Mm. Uh, it, it's, um, <clears throat> it's heat. And that, and that's, and that's a problem. And we're not going to get into it far, you know, a, too deep in the weeds with it, but it's heat. And, and you, <clears throat> that's why, that's why as much as I would say that at least 70% of their product, I'm not a humongous fan of. That's why AEW has the best, the best heel in the business. That's why MGF is the best heel in the wrestling business. Cause he's, he's like that. He doesn't give a fuck. He cuts a promo and it sounds like he's cutting a fucking promo. Yeah. You know, he'll, he'll bring up things that nobody else will bring up because that's heat. Like MJF is like. He's Jerry Lawler. Lawler. Sullivan. Find me any heat seeker. You got it in MJF. He's the best heel in the wrestling business. And there are other great heels. Seth Rollins is a great heel, and et cetera, et cetera. Roman's a great heel, like he should, like like we've all known for years. And finally, they 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 finally bit on it. MJF is a 1980s and 90s wrestling heel. Yeah, it's like I know people like to compare him to Piper, but I don't even care. Compare I compare him in my opinion. He's fucking Jerry Lawler. He's done his homework and he gets it. And. So, like I said, I wanted to play that promo just because there's some holy shit moments in there. The, 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 the slur, the, I, the slur is it? Yeah, like, like that's the thing that got people, you know. But that fucking, I think every should have named her Target because everybody in Atlanta had a shot at it. It's the fucking great. It's one of the greatest lines <laughs> in the history of professional wrestling ever. It's fucking great. He's he's insulting two people and a child all in one foul swoop. It's fantastic. Um, it's multifaceted. Yes, 
It's a great fucking burn. Um, the next thing is a question, and then it'll just be reading down the show. It's a question for Nate, and I was going to ask just Nate this because Mark usually watches, so he knows. But either one of you can answer this. How much would you be willing, not now, not now, but in 1997, how much would you want to spend on an inflatable ring chair? <laughs> 20 Every, bucks. Uh, yeah, everything it was always 1995 and stuff like that. So 20 bucks, 20, 20 bucks. bucks. Uh, this inflatable King of the Ring chair is $59.99 plus $11 shipping and handling. Uh, does it come with the inflatable crown too? No. <laughs> it's a, it's a fucking, fucking pool floaty for $59.99. Good Lord. Plus $11 shipping and handling. Oh, so they're really screwing you. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, now we're moving into the next match, and it is the, as mentioned, Gold Dust versus Jerry Lawler match. It's in Evansville, so Lawler is being cheered. Um, they um, replay the other interview between Gold Dust and Lawler, which I wasn't going to play that. There's too much audio in here. But it's the one where um, Lawler asked Goldust if he's the Q word. Um, I'm sure you guys remember that, right? Yeah. Goldust says no and beats him up. So they're they're playing they're they're playing up the fact that Lawler's been basically antagonizing Goldust for at least a year now because that happened in '96. I got a uh, question though, like there with the whole Lawler and uh. And gold dust thing, do you think maybe they were going for like the king versus the jester type thing? Maybe that angle? I don't know. I think they were going more of like not not that specifically, but kind of along the realms of that. I think that it was they were trying to get gold dust to be a baby face, and he had been doing that. Um, a feminine gimmick so much that they knew Lawler wasn't um, I don't want to say it Lawler was going to be the guy that was willing enough to be like look I know what I am you know what I mean I know where I'm at in this fucking business and he understood sports entertainment and he was going to be the guy that was going to be willing to just full blown put this guy over you know what I mean like, yeah, he's okay. been prepared as a sissy for like a year, but I'm not going to work. I, I know sissy isn't a word, isn't a proper word to use now, but that's essentially what they were portraying him as, you know. Are you a sissy? Are you um, a sissy? So I have a question for you guys. I got out my Jim Cornette inflation calculator. <laughs> well, as long as it's not an inflatable. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to know how much you think you would have to pay for that, if judging by inflation. Fifty nine ninety nine in nineteen ninety seven. How much do you think that inflatable chair is in twenty twenty two? Seven hundred and fifty bucks. No. Oh, I don't think it's that much. It's probably a hundred and fifty dollars. Actually, no. It's a hundred and eleven dollars. You ordered it, didn't you? No. Use <laughs> inflatable furniture. My fucking knees are all fucked up. I mean. 
you can get a bunch of those wrestling buddies and just throw it up there, and it's like you got a King of the Ring tournament. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sitting in. I didn't even sit in inflatable chairs when it was a thing. <laughs> yeah, well, we, anyway. know, we know the throne you sit on. Yeah, <laughs> every show. <laughs> you gotta go. You gotta go. Yeah. At least I turn the camera off. I'm like, Shit happens. <laughs> I turned the camera off once, and it's fucking pop Nate. Because I turned the camera off, and Chad was like, "Are you shitting?" I said, "Yeah, I'm shitting." I just didn't want to look at you while I was doing it. He goes, "You don't even know how many times I've shit on this show with you looking at me." I was like, "Yeah, I do." <laughs> now, what was hilarious is that time he went he went to the bathroom with somebody in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but oh, anyway. God. Oh, God, I hate to see the nightmare of him trying to figure his camera out to be able to turn it off. <laughs> so this match goes on, and it's, um, like I said, it's Lawler um, being a heel, but the fans are cheering everything that he does because, like I said, they're in Evansville. Um, and Lawler ends up beating Gold Dust with his feet on the ropes, and um, he goes to run away. Gold Dust chases after him. They get up to the top of the ramp, and Gold Dust hits Jerry Lawler, and Jerry Lawler basically just tumbles down the like down the ramp, and that's how the match ends. Um, the next thing we see is Steve Austin in a locker room, um, and Brian Pillman attacks him, and Austin starts getting the upper hand on Brian Pillman. And then Owen Hart and Bulldog join in as well. Um, and then it goes to commercial again because they're like, oh, my God, we got to go to commercial. We don't know what to do. And then Steve Austin is walking to um, chew out HBK for not helping him while he was being attacked. And he walks in to find out that HBK had been attacked just before him. So basically, they jumped HBK and then went to Steve Austin's lock, Steve Austin's locker room to jump him. But one now, one to go. Yeah, but like I told Nate um, a while back, Steve Austin's still being a heel because he's chewing out HBK because he's like, "Where the hell were you? You just let me get attacked, you lazy son of a bitch." And Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels is like, "I got attacked before you. Where the hell were you?" You know, and Steve was like, how was I supposed to know you were being attacked? Like, Steve, Steve's still being a dick, which is fun. Um, the next thing we see is Flash Funk taking on Rocky Maivea. The Headbangers, for some reason, they show up and they have in they have the King of the Ring inflatable chairs, popcorn, cotton candy, and a boombox. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Saying they show up and they have all these things. They have their inflatable chairs. They have popcorn, cotton candy, and a boombox. This sounds and like an SNL skit. Is, is it a JVC kaboom box? Not yet. Not yet. It's not a sponsored jukebox or jukebox boombox <laughs> at this time. Um, but they're out there. And they're on commentary. And Jim Ross and Vince are trying to commentate. And they keep playing their music and annoying Jim Ross. Um, Funk ends up hitting a plancha onto the rock and they kind of stumble into the headbangers 
So the headbangers attack him and they um, strike Flash Funk with the boombox and stagger him. And then um, Rocky Maya Bay ends up hitting the Chris, the Chris body, the cross body and getting the one, two, three. All in three minutes and 34 seconds. God, yeah. I love WWF. Yes. <laughs> so I'm assuming there's a shotgun Saturday night out there somewhere with The Rock and um, Flash Funk versus the Headbangers because nothing really comes out of it. Um, then we get a recap of the Mankind interview from last week. Um then we get the Sega Slam of or the Sega Slam of the Week Fighters Mega Mix. Well, if there, that's not a tongue twister, yeah, that, that, there was apparently a Sega game called Fighters Mega Mix. I don't remember it. Um, but the Slam of the is Week it, is it, if, it, if it's the Sega Saturn, nobody remembers any of it. Yeah, I don't remember any of this. I had an intent, we had Nintendo. Um, Brian, it's just Brian Pillman, um, attacking Steve Austin. And then, um, Brett Hart cuts a promo backstage and says that he, if he can't, um, um, when it, sorry, says that if he can't win in 10 minutes at the King of the Ring, he'll never wrestle in the United States again. And then Brian Pillman, um, Bulldog and Owen, they all cut promos on HBK and Stone Cold. So basically what Brett's saying is that this tag, this match that he set up with Sean in the 10 minute time limit, if he can't beat it, it even if he doesn't, um, even if, even if he doesn't, like if the match goes 12 minutes, if he can't beat Sean in 10 minutes, he'll never wrestle in the United States again. And then, um, Pillman cuts a promo on Steve and then Owen and Bulldog, they cut a basic, tag team defending their titles promo against Stone Cold and HBK. I didn't write it all down because it was what it was. Um, then Ken Shamrock, he shows up and he is going to um, uh, be on color commentary because he's still feuding with Vader. And apparently um, Ahmed Johnson's King of the Ring spot is on the line. So it's Vader versus Ahmed Johnson with um, Ahmed's King of the Ring spot on the line. Uh, these two brawl, nothing special happens. And then um, Ahmed ends up hitting a spine buster on Vader and gets the one, two, three. It was pointless. Should never happened. Should have never happened. It was pointless. If you got uh, you got Vader and Shamrock in that feud. You want to keep Vader looking strong and have him go over on Ahmed. Just my opinion. Now Vader's just like LOD. <laughs> he was better in WCW. And yeah. it is he is one of the biggest, like he's one of the biggest misses in Vince's um career. Yeah, he fumbled. If Vince doesn't fumble Vince didn't fumble a lot until he became old Vince like 10 years ago. Um, but from 80 Four until 2012, you can't argue with it. The genius, but man, Vader's one of the big misses of Vince McMahon. Like, how did Vince McMahon fuck up Vader? 
<laughs> you know, it's, no. it's, it's just, it's a, it's, it's a fucking, um, it's, it's a fucking layup. And they wonder why you become an alcoholic. <laughs> right. It, a lot of time it's an ego thing, in my opinion. Like it's a, I didn't, I didn't make the guy. I didn't whatever, you know? Right. And, um, I think part of it's also Vader. I don't want to say Vader's fault, but he didn't try to. He didn't try to change. After all the bullshit with Sean, he gave up. Yeah, he didn't try to change Vince's perception on him. You know, mm-hmm. like he's like, all right, I'll status quo. I'll do my thing. I'm not going to try to upset the apple cart. As which you can't say about like Steve or Foley. Like they were like, we're, we're, we should be on the top of this thing. You know what I mean? I'll show you what I can do as opposed to Vader just going, all right, I understand where you want me to be. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's entirely Vince, but like I said, it's just Vader didn't give Vince that, let me prove you wrong. He was just like, okay, right. that's where I'm at, I guess. I, I'm still here. I got a job. Yeah. Um. So then we find out that Raw is sponsored by the United States Army and Super Soaker. Which are just weird. And the then, United States Army and their Super Soaker on Sunny. <laughs> Why does the Army need to advertise? I never understood that. Well, in 97, I can see why they advertised. Because before 9-11, there were not people enlisting in the military. I mean, they've always advertised, though, with the whole we want you, Uncle Sam, and all that, though. I know, but people know it's there. You got to feed feed that military-industrial complex. (laughs) It's like McDonald's. Like if I ran, if if somebody was like, "Hey, Aaron, you're gonna run McDonald's now," I'd be like, "I'm gonna make, I'm gonna figure out a way that we can make Super Bank. We're just not gonna have commercials anymore." Because <laughs> if they stop having commercials, did you forget that McDonald's existed? <laughs> no, you still got hungry and went. Yeah, you still got stoned or drunk at three two a.m. Yeah, <laughs> you know that shit exists. But anyway, um, the next match. Um, oh, sorry, not the next match. The next promo is actually kind of cool. Uh, now I said I, I didn't want to keep you guys too long, but I, I swear we're gonna get to the we're gonna get to the nitty gritty the end here. Um, Paul Bear cut the promo about the secret again, and. In the promo, he says that he will do what no giant, warrior, or immortal could do with just a few words. Like I thought that was a cool promo. Like he brought up he brought up Giant Gonzalez, the ultimate warrior, and Hulk Hogan without saying their fucking names and saying that he's gonna do what none of those fucking wrestlers could do. With just a few words and bring the Undertaker to his knees. I thought it was cool. Might be dumb. I don't know, but I enjoyed it. 
Um, no, it's like it, it helps build that suspense. Yeah. And then the next match we get is is Hunter Hearst Helmsley with China versus Rockabilly, accompanied by the Honky Tonk Man. Fuck uh, this shit again. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I was talking about with speaking about wrestlers, um, true backgrounds or whatever. Um, Jim Ross brings up the fact that both China and Hunter Hemsley were both trained by Killer Kowalski. Um, Honky Tonk Man, um, he tries to get involved and hit um, Triple H with the guitar, but he's slammed instead by China. And then Triple H ends up hitting the pedigree and beating Rockabilly 1 2 3. So that's the way that match ends. It was just a match. As it should. As it should. Um, then Undertaker ends up cutting another promo and I think it was something that he was trying to get in before his audio got fucked up and he tells Paul Bear to do what you have to do and then uh, Sable's music hits and she comes out to show off her inflatables chairs her inflatable <laughs> chairs and they're only $59.99 plus shipping and handling, $11. Um, so basically they're getting Sable out there because Mark's still hurt, but they just they want to put her out there so the fans can pop and like neck beards can go home and mm-hmm. about it. Were there neck beards in 97? What would be the 97 neck beard? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but fake tits that, are would gross. It, would it would it be like the uh who was the the middle kid or whatever from fucking no the adult kid, not the adult kid. The non Jonathan Taylor Thomas kid from fucking home improvement. You know, the haircut, you know what I'm talking about, where it's like parted in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a long bowl cut. That's probably He's just- that. He's just waiting for social media to be a thing so he can bitch. That's fucked up, though, Aaron, because that used to be the hairstyle I rocked from, like, fifth grade all the way through middle school. That's fine. Oh, Mark was a Zach. All right, we got you. Yeah. Was that the kid's name on fucking home? That was the character's name. I don't remember. It's funny because I don't remember what Jonathan Taylor Thomas's character name was. Randy. (laughs) Randy. But and I don't remember what the actor who played Zach's name was. <laughs> the only reason I remember Randy's name is that fucking shit. I, I, I I'll show you guys that shit after we go off the air. It's one of the funniest things I ever fucking seen. But anyway, um, Nate will have to sh- remind me how to show a screen, share a screen. Um, it's but simple. anyway, and I'm simple. I'm not gonna be able to figure that out. <laughs> Anyway, um, the next thing they do before the main event is more of this awesome shit with mankind being interviewed by Jerry, Jerry Lawler, by Jim Ross talking about his past. Um, and it's a story about wanting to um, see everything that you could see in wrestling. So he goes and hitchhikes to Madison Square Garden to watch Jimmy Snuka versus Don Morocco and it's the creation of the um, dude love character and getting trained by Dominic DiNucci and 
I wrote this note, hoping you guys would have been able to watch the show. Um, but we'll see. Do you guys remember this promo, this video? Do you guys remember it? What, is it like a montage? Well, yeah, it's Jim Ross interviewing fully on a soundstage about his career, and they're showing, like, footage of when he was in Matt, like, like. Yeah, I've seen that a million times. And, and, like, they're showing, like, his dude love stuff and all that. Well, then they also roll into him training. You guys remember who he's in the ring with training at Danucci School? Is it Shane Douglas? It is. It's him and Shane training, um, which is cool because it's going to roll into some shit we're going to get into on Reliving the Extreme. But yeah, Danucci um, broke in Shane and, and Cactus at the same time. And it was kind of cool seeing two guys that I enjoy. Um, and it also it also it also comes back to the heritage of wrestling and how the pro wrestling business is and how generational it is, but how how uh, it's generational, but it's also traditional because you mentioned earlier Hunter being trained by Killer Kowalski in China. Danucci training Foley and Douglas. So look at that. You have, you know, you have your generations of yeah. wrestling. You know, and that's the cool thing about wrestling is and, and 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 with most sports over any kind of other other type of entertainment is no matter how much the business changes, the fundamentals were taught by the by the previous generation. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like in UFC too, where they where they have the you know training camps. Mm-hmm. But you know, Dominic Danucci's legacy lives on. Uh, Killer Kowalski's legacy lives on, and you know, as we go into the future, I mean, even now, who's the Monster Factory guy? Uh, Larry Sharp. Yeah, I mean, and we go the, in, we we go we on. go into today. How many wrestlers? How many wrestlers? That and I, I'm sorry, Aaron, I'm taking your show off. Oh, you're fine. Again. But how many wrestlers that are main event pro wrestlers in AEW and WWE right now have influence from Triple H, have influence from Shawn Michaels? Uh, let's give credit to Matt Bloom and Bill DeMott. Mm-hmm. And, and promo-wise, go to that promo school with Dusty Rhodes. You know that performance center, man. People, people sleep on that shit. Look at the greatness in modern and, wrestling, and, and that is, and and it's going to get better now because he's completely in charge. But that was because Hunter was in charge of that shit, and yeah. and, and Vince tried to take it away. And I don't, I don't care what anybody says. Vince tried to take that shit away from him. He did, and it fucking backfired on him. But that was Triple H being a fucking wrestler. Uh, yes, that was Triple H. And understand, I learned my shit from Killer Kowalski. I don't, and, and I don't want my wrestlers learning their shit from some fucking dude that was in the Groundlings. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want him learning. Sh- I don't want these people. Like, like he understood. These people need. They they need this. Like, mm-hmm. 
the legacy needs to be passed on. Yes. Like, that's why do- there's, you cannot tell me that if Triple H wouldn't have been vo- involved in an executive aspect in that company, that Dusty Rhodes would have lasted as long as he did in that fucking company. Nope. Would have never fucking happened. What a ne- like if that would have just been Vince and Kevin Dunn and Bruce Pritchard running that shit, they would have fucking eked Dusty out. But Triple H was like, "This is the fucking man right here." Keep yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't want him involved in the main roster. I'll bring him down to NXT. Yeah, let him teach these kids how to cut a fucking promo. Did the same thing with Regal. Mm-hmm. Try to eke him out. I'll take him. And I. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to say it's going to happen because I don't know what the guy's contract is. But whatever, whatever Regal's contract is, as soon as it's up, he's back over there. I think Adam Cole too. Bob, Bobby Fish will be in WWE soon. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. Didn't they uh, just release I, Malachi Black? Yes, I, I think it was conditional though. I don't know what black, he. Black I don't know what asked, his contractual. Black, contract black asked black Malachi Black because he put out a big thing about it because he got pissed off. Did you guys read about him getting pissed off at AEW? Mm. Yeah, AEW put out his personal shit like like his like going through like depression or whatever. And he got pissed off about that. Like that guy wanted to go home, and they posted shit like, "Oh, this is problems." And, and and I'm not I'm not saying he should be degraded for having his problems. I think AEW was unprofessional putting shit out there that he didn't want out there, you know. Right. So I, I I don't see Black going back for a while because it sounds to me like he wanted to just fucking go home. But I think Bobby Fish will be back. And I don't want to talk. I I know you guys, whatever. I, we don't want to talk about new shit. I see Bobby Fish going back, but I don't think Bobby Fish is gonna be. On TV, if that makes sense. He might be in NXT. Maybe, but I think he's going to go. If he's on TV, he's going back as a teacher trainer. But yeah, I'm just, like, I, kind of like they was doing with uh, Roderick Strong. Mm-hmm. Well, and I just, I, I, I think that Bobby's going to wind up back there. As soon as the contract's up, Adam Cole's going to wind up back there. Kyle O'Reilly. And 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 you brought up Roderick Strong, Mark. I think Roderick Strong is one of those guys. that's like, I'm glad they wouldn't let me out of my contract. <laughs> Got out you know, of there by the skin of my teeth. Even, they didn't even let him out. It wasn't even to let him out. He's he he didn't sign. He didn't leave. He right. was the only one to sign. Like, he stayed. I think so. no. But what I'm saying is, right before Vince got kicked out of power, Roderick Strong was very unhappy and wanted to leave. That's what I'm saying. Like okay. yeah, he's probably like I just I'm, I thought I'm glad I'm glad I didn't I'm glad I didn't jump ship. Guys, all them undisputed era guys left and he was like, yeah, I'll stick around. I didn't know he was unhappy after it. But I bet like guys like Claude well maybe not Claude because he probably enjoys being in Ring of Honor. I know till, probably somebody till they, till they, jo- till they him. jobbed him out to Jericho tonight. <laughs> I, know I, Joe's, I know Joe's probably kicking himself. Yeah. Cause he's like, what? Hunter's like my dude. Like, <laughs> but anyway, Oh, sorry. Um, 
So where were we at? We were talking about the we got lost in the weeds with the Foley thing, right? We were at the main event. Yes, we're at the main event. Um, it's the WWF Tag Team Championships. Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin versus the British Bulldog and Owen Hart and um, the entire Hart Foundation. They come out and they're on the ramp. Um, they're on the stage, whatever you want to call it. And um, Jim Ross says that um, this is the biggest main event in the history of Monday Night Raw. And I know we were talking about like Tony Schiavone, like big dog and everything and kind of like overselling it. But I agree with this at this point. Like Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin at, versus Owen and Bulldog for the WWF Tag Team Championships at this point is the biggest main event in the history of this program, in my opinion. Before this, before I, this, can and I, then I'll, just, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you say what you think, and then I'll tell you if I agree, because I'll be honest. Before this, to me, the three biggest main events in Raw history. And folks, if you're listening to this show and you're younger, and you've been <laughs> Monday Night Raw at this point is like four years old, okay? Right. So to put this in perspective, my opinion, the three biggest main events before this, and this is the biggest main event in Raw history to this point, were Bret Hart and 123Kid, the Quebecers and the Steiners in the Quebec Province Rules match, and probably Shawn Michaels and Sid for the Intercontinental title. That's not any of mine. Oh, all right. <laughs> I was going to say Sean and Razor. None of mine. To me, the biggest one before this is Kurt and Rick in the Loser Lees match. That's a big one, too. Yes. That's like week two of Monday Night Raw. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's in his no, and No, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I just... I just think that, you know, for me, what sticks out in my head are those three main events before this one. But that Kurt Flair match sticks out to me is like... That Quebec is, Province Rules match, dude. is really fucking good. Oh, man. And I'm not even... How do I want to say it? Knocking the match... Like, I'm not putting it like match quality. You know? Right. I'm putting it as like storyline hype. You know, like Flair and, and and Kurt have been together since the beginning. You know what I mean? And they were together for like what was it? What would have been like a year and a half? A year and a half of them being like inseparable, and like Bobby's in the booths, and he's got to decide if he's going to go with Kurt or Flair. It, well, not even then because Kurt had, had jumped. But you know what I'm saying? Like it was the culmination of my favorite fucking. My second favorite faction of all time is Ric Flair, Bobby Heenan, and Kurt Hennig. And we're talking about a show that's not a show we're supposed to be talking about, but but that was mine. And I agree with you guys, but yeah, that to me, that was the one that came into my mind. Um, they end up, um, the match starts, um, HBK and Shawn Michaels end up, I did it again. Said HBK and Sean Michaels. <laughs> and Steve Austin. I wasn't gonna say nothing. I, I saw the look on your face. 
but they end up jump starting the match. And yes, yeah, Stone Cold and Steve Austin yeah, wind Stone up jump starting the match. Start the match. Um, it's going on, and um, it ends up settling down, and then Owen hits uh, an enziguri, but at the time they just call it a head kick. The enziguri doesn't have a name in, in the states yet. He hits that. And um, Jim Ross mentions um, that was the move that took Shawn Michaels down a year ago. And when he mentioned it, I'm like, you know what? It seems like for fucking ever. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, and it wasn't a year ago. It was like two years ago, but whatever. But yeah, I mean, he says a year, but um, it does. It it seems like it's, it was in a different fucking world. I don't want to just in my opinion, like it, like that does not seem like it jives with what's happening now. Um, Man, that Shawn Michaels Owen thing, nineteen ninety five. I am fucking sixteen years old. Thought it was real. I thought that shit was real. That was that was some of the most well done pro wrestling television. Both ends of it. Yes, ever. I thought that shit was real. Like, and and this is this is pre-internet. For those of you that don't know what the world was like pre-internet, like, what's going on? What the fuck is going on? And, and you know, you have no idea what's going. Sean on. sold great. Owen sold great. The fact uh, that the fact that Lawler Lawler was so good. Yeah. In that, he was so good in that. I think he's almost what convinced me. Yeah, corny, corny, being like, "Oh, don't, don't kick him." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like everybody did fucking perfect in that fucking situation. It's one of the best segments in wrestling television history. Yeah, (laughs) you know how Nate was like, "Bad." I was sixteen and I thought it was real. Like uh, that was me at like ten and eleven, and and we were all outside, you know doing this shit that we're seeing on TV to each other. And it's, it's a miracle. None of us die. Yeah, don't try this at home. Yeah. <laughs> like, Oh shit. Tim didn't get up. I guess it's real. <laughs> Count him ref. He's on a defibrillator now or whatever. It's a fucking thing. I misspoke. Got, got a halo. Yeah. <clears throat> gotta help him with his juice box because you're the guy who fucking hurt him <laughs> i don't like you but i dropped you on your neck so i'll help you drink your juice box <laughs> anyway um sean michaels ends up um nailing sweet sweet chin music on uh, i forgot to write down who but i'm pretty sure it's bulldog he ends up getting sweet chin music on bulldog awesome covers one two three Austin and Sean are now the new WWF Tag Team Champions. And then the Hart Foundation attacks. Um, and Brett is up on the stage by himself. And he Austin realizes this and leaves Sean to get beat up on his own to attack Brett. And then um, he froze. He froze. <laughs> <laughs> and then... um. <laughs> we were almost there. 
Wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> well, the ending of the show is great. You know, like Aaron said, the Austin realizing Brett is in his wheelchair, stuck up at the top of the stage. He can't go anywhere. And this is the same one. What's that? This is this this happened on this one too. Yes, and but it, it's a different type of scenario, you know. But um, there's yeah, no it, pillman with a uh, a crutch or or or, or uh, uh, Jim Jim Neidhart coming out. Yeah, right. But yes, it was it was great stuff, and and Austin and Brett always great stuff. Um, one of the greatest feuds in the history of pro wrestling. Yeah, they had really good chemistry. They did. They really did. Um, almost nobody ever did. You know what I mean? Like that. You put that in the top five. Oh Hogan, yeah. Hogan Savage, Austin Rock, fucking Blassie Tolos. You know, you go way back. But that being said, Mark. Oh, okay. Our host is back. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that was. Shady's back, but um. Aaron, we already talked about the end of the show. Okay, good. I did your job. <laughs> <laughs> he had a fa- he had an emergency. He had to run out. So <laughs> yeah, fucking internet crash for a second. <laughs> Aaron had the her Aaron had the Hershey squirts, so we picked up the slack. Yeah, ultimately. Yeah, pick up my slack. <laughs> Why did that sound like Archie in the background saying ultimately? <laughs> like your internet's never crashed. No, fuck it's crashed. It's crashed plenty. Fuck you've Spectrum. Lost, you've lost entire fucking episodes. Yes. Mine <laughs> was 20 seconds. Our ours our, our one of the one of the catchphrases of the, the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network should be hashtag fuck spectrum because I have so much problems with spectrum. But anyway, if Aaron and I didn't live in fucking BFE, I would I would change and have one internet provider. I would change my provider in a hot second. <laughs> You're gonna say that so many times it's gonna get back to them and they're gonna like send you a deal for cheap ass internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I. I I sent you that link that I want you to share video wise, but I just want to say this that, and you don't need to share it now. I'm saying when we're done recording, um, you guys want to give me shit about five seconds of my internet going down. I've, I've, I've been like, Oh, I'm not going to make plans because Nate wants to record tonight. And then he's just been like, sorry guys. <laughs> my internet's down <laughs> i'm living by candlelight now and 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 shitting in a box because my entire everything is down because that i live reminds, in the woods he just live in the woods i live in the woods i need to empty my I, I live in the woods. Literally, there's only one internet provider that comes out here, and thankfully, they're decent. <laughs> Mark still Mark still has to rely on CompuServe or some shit. What are you talking about? Google Maps doesn't even work out here. You got to fucking tote around a compass. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, like 
uh, you guys spoke about the Undertaker Paul Bear situation. Yes. All right. So, with that being said, um, I appreciate everybody listening, and I appreciate you guys sticking through this. And um, we're getting us some really good shit in 1997. Um, May is basically over. We're going into June, so we're looking forward to next week. Um, But May will stay forever young. Yes. So if anybody that is listening is following along and caught up, the next episode we will be discuss the next week we'll be discussing is June second, nineteen ninety seven. So um, with that being said, unless you guys have anything else that you need to add, we'll go ahead and sign off. All good? All good. All right. Thanks for listening, people. Don't forget, uh, we can't wrestle any spotlight. Smell what the art is cooking and the granddaddy of them all. Reliving the extreme. Oh, yeah. Yeah.